genre. This is a Pele Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to Theme Park This, the only podcast that dares ask the question, can we build a theme park based on High School Musical, the musical, the series? My name is Brian Green and with me I have Kyle Crane. Hey guys. And Scott Corelli. We can do anything, Brian. Anything. (laughs) Anything. High School Musical, the musical, the series, the ride is what we're doing. Yep. Uh, yeah, so today, uh, today's theme, uh, we, are, uh, we went on to Disney Plus and we found some things that we did not have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And we are building some theme parks based on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we each did something different. We each did something different. We have no idea what we've picked at this point. I have no, no idea what these guys have picked. Uh, so first off, let's talk a little bit about Disney Plus. It's been, uh, what, like six months Seven, a, little, a little over six months. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. so. Yeah, uh, since Disney Plus launched, how do y'all how do y'all feel about the about this new streaming service that was forced onto us? Oh, you know, it's funny because I just got HBO Max uh, not that long ago, and I liked kind of the lineup on there. The Turner Classic Movies uh, stuff they had was really a big selling point for me to have all those classics, and I was immediately taken aback by the the lack of 4K content on there. And I realized pretty quickly that Disney Plus has spoiled me by kind of setting the bar so high on like visual representation and ease of use of the uh, UI and everything that yeah. it's really kind of made every other streaming service look like crap in comparison. And I hate to say that being someone who's like, I feel like, you know, we're all kind of like bought into the, to Disney, but you know, at the same time we'll give them crap when they deserve it. And Disney plus is not one of those <laughs> places. They really delivered on the promise of, uh, of what they have there and have, you know, I'm sure as we all found today, had a very deep catalog on there that is uh, kind of deserving of praise, praise in its own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, they are still missing some things and people are uh, sour about that, but you know, existing contracts are what they are and they can't just instantly have all of their things on, on the streaming service when they signed like 10 year deals or whatever. All things considered it's really impressive Mm -hmm. and even the the simpsons problem being the uh the the four by three being missing for a really long time i i do think it was dumb that they didn't just have it at launch but they have it now and it did take longer than they thought and i think that that's largely because of the coronavirus uh having to do that work at home because they had to basically rebuild their uh ui to even have an option for something like that that's why it took so long yeah um, because that's not something that they that the that the UI had an option oh, for. Wow. So they had to basically rebuild the entire UI to have a toggle for something like that. Um, which which took a lot longer because everyone was working from home. Um so even with that, you know, being like the biggest misstep I think they may have had um when when they started, uh I'm really impressed with what they have and and uh I like most of the original content that they have. Um we've t- joked about how a lot of it is basically Disney propaganda um and how we're we're just sort of like fine with it because we accept that that's what it is. <laughs> and and is propaganda propaganda when you know it's propaganda? I don't know. Um, that's a a good question, right? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I wish there was more park stuff. Disneyland through the seasons. Is that the name of that special? Yeah. Yeah. Disneyland through the seasons looks 
incredible. Like it's been it's been upgraded to like HD and it's just it's a beautiful Disneyland special that apparently has been around for a while because it was on YouTube. I guess you could watch it for a really long time. So parks people don't seem to be particularly impressed by this thing, but I had never seen it before. So I was still very impressed and I wish there were like 10 of those on there because uh, I found myself watching the, the, the Disney parks weddings because I just wanted more parks content. Yeah. And those are bad. Those are yeah. really bad. They're, they're real bad. They're bad. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's rough. Those are a rough watch. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's um, I, yeah. So I do wish there was more park stuff. Uh, I know that that new series is coming uh, from the creators of um, uh, the toys that made us and the movies that made us. They're doing the the rides that made us, and it's oh, and it's hosted oh, by yes. The Rock, and it's uh, it's going to be about like specific Disneyland rides. I'm assuming the very first one will be Jungle Cruise um, mm-hmm. uh, for obvious tie-in reasons, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, in general, I wish there was more sure. uh, park stuff, but. <laughs> I'm really happy with all the content that is on there. I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's a huge missed opportunity that they didn't call it the Disney vault. Um, Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. They're opening. We're finally opening the Disney vault. Here it is. (laughs) You have access to the Disney vault. That's this whole marketing scheme would have come to a head. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, But uh, instead they call it Disney plus, which is not the best name for it. I don't think, but I do really like having access to, everything especially considering how expensive all those blu-rays were um and when they announced disney plus i immediately sold all of my disney blu-rays so every star wars every marvel every disney animated thing every pixar thing that i had i sold and i made a lot of money off of it because they were still worth something then now i bet you would get like nothing for any disney stuff um so uh but you know I like. I really love having access to everything. I think it's cool. Did it pay for your three-year membership? I think it did. Honestly, I think it did. <laughs> nice. I think it would have. Uh, I mean, it paid for me to move out to California, but um, that's that's when I did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, wow! Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, so let's uh, let's go. What ahead about and you, get Brian? You, you didn't even talk oh. about it. <laughs> oh yes. I so yeah. I love Disney Plus. Uh, I'm with you, Scott. I wish there was more parks content, especially with us being all stuck inside. I'm amazed they haven't put up the like pro shots of their of their shows Mm -hmm. like there is a like i know that there is a very good pro shot of phantasmic from disneyland i've seen it on another on another streaming service that they had i want more of that i want world of color i want the phantasmic of disney world i want all of these shows on disney plus Mm -hmm. make that happen that seems like a no-brainer to me put all the old anniversary specials up you know, oh yes. like put put all of those up as cheesy and as as silly as they are. They are a part of Disney history and Disney Parks history. And I feel like they should be on there. Um, and I do know that at least a year ago that that was something they were doing. They were ingesting, which is the term for it, all those uh, old tapes, those betas and stuff like that. So that oh, exists. Good. It's just kind of like, do they want to hit the button and put it up or not? Right, know? right. Mm. OK, well, hopefully they do. That'll be great. And as a theater educator, I love Encore with every fiber of my being. <laughs> it's it's sappy, but it's good. Yeah. It's real good. Do we want to get into what we're doing? Yeah, let's go ahead and get into our parks. Yeah. Uh, who wants to go first? We didn't discuss this ahead of time. Uh I can go I can go first. I don't I I think I don't do that very often. Um so right. I'll go first. Okay. Uh so I I decided to choose something that I could scratch off my bucket list 
So this is something that I haven't seen, but most of the people listening to this, and I'm pretty sure my two co-hosts have probably seen before. Um, I went with Treasure Island or Treasure Planet. Sorry, Treasure Planet. Holy shit. Yeah. Sorry. So uh, I've, I've never seen Treasure Planet before. Um, so, so that's what I went with. Um, and uh, uh, I watched it for the first time last night and uh, had, a, had a pretty good time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I chose. I, I liked it. I wish it was a little less, um, you know, for the fight that the animators had getting this movie made, like, mm-hmm. this is just like the most tragic film in Disney's <laughs> library because it is to this day, the most expensive, traditionally, uh, hand-drawn animated film ever made, um, at $140 million. And, oh, wow. Uh, it, it also only made, I think 39 million in America, huge bomb, huge, only 109 million total worldwide box office. Um, and it took them the first time that the animators who directed this Ron Clements and John Musker, the first time that they pitched this movie was in 1985 the same time, like they had this gong show meeting where all of the animators pitched a bunch of different ideas um, to Eisner and, and some other people. And uh, this was the same meeting where they, they pitched the little mermaid for the first time. This was oh, wow. the first time that they, they had, it It was just called treasure Island in space at the time. <laughs> and the, the pitch was rejected by Michael Eisner. And then they, after, uh, after the release of the little mermaid, they pitched it again where the studio expressed more disinterest. Then after Aladdin, they pitched it for a third time and Katzenberg was basically like, stop it. Stop <laughs> pitching this. We're not interested. And then they went above uh, Katzenberg's head to Roy E. Disney and uh, told him and that he expressed the interest to Eisner and then finally renegotiated their contracts to do it after they finished Hercules. So it took them 20 years to get this movie made. And then it was a gigantic flop that oh, no one oh. cared about. <laughs> that is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is like it, it just it sucks when the execs were right to pass on yeah, this yeah you know <laughs> um and i do wish that i think the design of it is cool I, I i don't like that the aliens are all goopy like they're all just like kind of like amorphous like goopy things um mm-hmm. and so i don't i don't love the alien design uh very much um i don't i, I love the concept of it uh i hate the design of G, of jim um i think he looks hella awkward um i don't know what it is about the animation on jim but uh uh, it looks weird. Um, there's something his like eyes are too far apart or something. I don't know. He looks real <laughs> weird. Um, anyway, I, I'm not into that, but, uh, I like, I like the design of everything else. I think the story is very predictable, I guess, because it's just treasure Island overall. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a fun time. And I think there's a lot of, uh, area in this to, uh, to, to build a theme park out of. So, um, that's where I went. Got it. Well, so I'm actually going to take second because I have a story here okay. uh, that goes along with Scott uh, because I have never seen Treasure Planet. Oh, okay. And Same. there was also so there was that movie and then another movie from a similar era that I was torn between. Uh, two Atlantis. And Atlantis. I was also Empire. torn. Yes, I was also torn. Those were the two that I was between. I literally flipped a coin uh-huh. this afternoon oh. when I was like, okay, which of these two am I going to watch? And it landed on Atlantis. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. 
So we almost did the same All thing. All right, Kyle, you're going to be doing the heavy lifting on this one. Hopefully yeah. you've seen both of those. Um, <laughs> uh, just Atlantis. Never saw Treasure Planet. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. I'm going to do my yeah. best here. All right. Uh, so, yeah. My, uh, so Atlantis, The Lost Empire was that uh, both of those were both, uh, both of those movies came at a time that I was just, you know, obviously not into Disney yep. movies. It was not something that I was I think I was like late middle school, maybe early high school yep. at the time. And it was just not in my wheelhouse at that. Moment. Yeah. And so I didn't go see him. Um, I knew the only thing I knew about uh, about Treasure Planet was the Johnny Resnick song. And because <laughs> I really liked the Goo Goo Dolls back in the day. Yeah, I, ne- I, I never saw it. But Atlantis, The Lost Empire, uh, I almost held on to this. If I had more time to watch something else, I may have held on to this just for a retheme this of uh, Avatar, uh, the, the Avatar Land uh-huh. at uh, Animal Kingdom, because good God, it w- that, that would be perfect for a retheme. <laughs> Avatar owes a lot to this movie, I feel like, and a lot of other movies of, the, of a similar vein. But I really enjoyed it. I think the characters, I, I really like the characters, really like the the world building. Um and of course, Michael J. Fox plays Milo, and I was amazed that I didn't know that mm. this entire time. I didn't know that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt played Jim in. Uh, See, I knew that. In, oh. I, I, I would have, I could have told you that, but yeah, I had no clue that uh, Michael J. Fox was Milo, and I was really excited when he popped in. I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, that's that's good because it takes the pressure off. So now I can just watch Atlantis whenever I want. I don't have to wait for the next time we do this. <laughs> uh, what, right. what about you, Kyle? Okay. So th- I honestly, I almost watched Treasure Planet as well because I had never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> that would have been amazing if we all just did Treasure Planet without knowing. It really would have because whenever we came up with the theme for this, it was just kind of like, hey, this would just be a fun exercise. Let's write ourselves, you put ourselves in a corner where we just kind of have to write ourselves out of it. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, that was one of the few things I was thinking about watching. Uh, but instead, I said, you know what, whatever the first thing that comes on, I'm just going to click down on my remote and whatever the first thing comes in that I've never heard of or seen before, I'm, I'm just going to pick that. And I landed on a movie I had no idea existed until I started watching it. And that's the 1964 Haley Mills movie, The Moon Spinners. <laughs> Uh, are you guys familiar with this movie? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so Moon Spinners is a, um, uh, like I said, it's a 1964 stars Haley Mills came out right before summer magic and was, uh, directed by the same director of summer magic, uh, James Nielsen, who, uh, also went on to make two other Disney movies called the moon pilot and the moon cussers, oh. which I have no idea, but I guess it's his moon trilogy with them. <laughs> uh, it's based on a book by Mary Stewart, who is famous for, uh, writing all these novels in the 60s and the 50s, which were considered kind of like romantic uh, mystery novels, kind of the precursor to something um, like Nancy Drew, where you'd basically have a young woman who gets involved with a guy and they go on some sort of mystery adventure and, and you know, everything's happy in the end. Uh, but Disney tried to make it in the vein of like a Hitchcock movie for teens at the oh. time. And uh, while I would say that it's, I mostly like the movie, it has major um pacing issues and you know it's it's a 1960s movie the pacing's a little bit slower it's a disney movie it's a little bit slower and yeah. it really kind of like made me lose interest in the third act of the film where uh they seem to set up a big finale that just never happens oh. uh but still with the movie i think there was enough to to get a few uh things that could be cool in a theme park um so but we'll get into all of that in a minute Maybe i i think it's movie. interesting that they added uh, a hyphen um in the title of the movie that doesn't exist in the title of the book and right. so it seems as if 
it's an adventure film about people who spin around the moon. So yeah. <laughs> I thought this was going to be like a space thing. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's not at all. It's like a it's like a romance, and the 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 moon spinner is like an inn, right? Like a hotel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's an inn. It's like it's a uh, on the Isle of Crete. It's a bed and breakfast, and it's funny because they even set up this thing in the movie where it's based on this um, uh, this myth about three sisters that would uh, the dance around and underneath the moon. And then I was like, well, I know a lot about Greek mythology. That's kind of my jam. I've never heard of this. Let me look it up. Doesn't exist. Completely made up for the movie just to name the thing the moon spinners. It's so arbitrary and has nothing to do with anything so, that is so um, you know before you said it didn't exist i was going to say that mama mia was based off of that too but then no oh. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined my joke kyle oh Thanks. if only there was more abba music in the moon spinners it would have helped it out a lot so <laughs> all right note note to self we need to do a mama mia episode sometime down the line <laughs> yeah. oh goodness oh uh, <laughs> have you seen here we go again yet brian I have not. Okay. I have not. See, we should watch that. That's the good one. That's what everyone yeah. says. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, everyone says the that here we go again is like is is amazing. Like is James Bond in that one? Uh yes, but he only uh, if I'm not mistaken, he only he he does a reprieve of the song that he sung in the first film, um but he does it as like a lullaby that he's just sort of like like mindlessly singing to himself and so it's like it's not like a belting number it's like uh he's like just doing something and just sort of like singing to himself and that's it and and every other time he sings is in a uh in a group that's a smart choice yeah (laughs) right and apparently this movie makes a ton of smart choices like that um oh good including uh having like reasons for the songs to be sung and uh oh good and things like that like apparently it's actually that's, really good that's what i can't stand about jukebox musicals right. in general like i don't like them and because they I just have to like shoehorn these songs into yeah. a story and it never works yeah brian let's do let's do a zoom party and watch here we go again <laughs> all right let's do it uh all right so scott tell me about your overall theme for your land so um the land is going to be uh i you know it's hard it's hard for me to uh explain because um you guys haven't seen it um so i'll do my best <laughs> but uh the the idea is that it's going to be sort of like um uh, a dock and uh this the the beginning of this movie sort of takes place in this uh uh in this like I don't know if you even call it a town because it's so like far in the future that it's hard to tell. So like the way that ship spaceships and things work in this is that they just look like pirate ships um, and they, they dock on docks, but the docks aren't on water. They're like floating in, in, Mm -hmm. in the air. So um, that's, that's sort of like what I'm thinking of is the town is sort of a, a town based on like, you know, 18th century English docks. Um, but with that futuristic spin that that treasure planet has, and it's sort of all um, based around uh, two the like the my my restaurant and my e ticket ride um, that that will be like kind of like the two like main focuses of the the architecture of the the land. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's basically what I'm picturing is um, a a sort of uh, area that is like a like an 18th century English dock um, that is that has been done in the style of Treasure Planet of of just sort of like mm. heightening the the science fiction aspect of everything, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's definitely the vibe that I wanted to have. Yeah. Uh, so 
my concept for my Atlantis theme park. Uh, so at, it's, it takes place after the film uh, Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, 10 to 15 years after uh, the crew, uh, after the end of the movie, have they've they've all taken with them these Atlantean crystals uh, that are essentially they're a power source. They're what essentially keep the world of Atlantis alive. They uh, so they they were gifted by the Atlanteans, these crystals. After a breakthrough, uh, the, the, so the entire crew is gone, and they're starting to experiment with their crystals. They're trying in uh, a breakthrough. Uh, there's a breakthrough, and they've decided they're going to man a crew to return to Atlantis. They're going to reunite with Milo, who stayed back in Atlantis, for a mysterious new mission. Uh, the main hub of the land is going to be a giant submarine. It's going to be on the scale of the ill-fated Ulysses. Is the is the ship that is in the in the first movie that is destroyed uh it's going to be a new ship but it's going to be outfitted with atlantean technology hmm. and i'm assuming that everything's going to have that kind of that art style of the movie that right everything's going to have that kind of like blue glow yeah, to it yeah and... very cool looking yeah. yeah what do you got kyle yeah so mine is uh since it tilted the entire movie takes place on the isle of crete i figured what better place to put that than in epcot's world showcase and it's about time we had a grease pavilion over there so i figured it'd be cool to uh just kind of do a little grease uh grecian fishing village type area um it, with a kind of the entire movie takes place in this um this area around something called dolphin bay and that's going to come into play later in what I've got in my e-ticket. So, yeah, just think of kind of like, you know, the typical stuff you see, like uh, white buildings, blue tops, and uh, a lot of um, like white sheets blowing in the breeze and uh, Grecian music playing everywhere, you know, leers and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what I'm thinking. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Seems very soothing. Yes, that's kind of what I'm going for. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So my restaurant uh, in in the film and and in fact in the uh, in the book Treasure Island that the movie's based on uh, are are the main character um, Jim uh, Hawkins is of course the son of a uh, a an inn owner uh, named Sarah who in the film is uh, actually voiced by Laurie Metcalf, um, which was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause who doesn't love Laurie Metcalf and, uh, the inn is called the Benbow Inn. Um, and it is just a sort of, uh, you know, like a, an old fashioned inn, uh, like a bed and breakfast kind of thing. And, um, you know, it, they, you see like a bunch of, uh, her serving breakfast to a bunch of aliens and things. And so what I'm thinking is that, uh, this, this inn is one of the, uh, the icons of the land, um, and it's going to be up on a hill. Um, and so in the, so you, you, you have the dock and then, um, in the distance of the dock, if you go through the sort of like town area, there will be a path, a cobblestone path that leads up a hill to where the Benbow Inn is on, on top of the hill, sort of overlooking the dock is sort of what I'm picturing. Um, and if you look up picture of the Benbow Inn in, in uh, Treasure Planet, you can see um, sort of what it looks like. It, it definitely looks like a sort of uh, uh, like a like an English cottage style um, inn. Uh, but you know, it has like a, a dock in the sky. It actually, it's interesting. It actually reminds me a lot of Columbia from, uh, Bioshock infinite, yeah. um, uh, a little bit. And so that's definitely kind of going to be the vibe of this whole area. Um, and uh and and the docks and and whatnot just sort of like floating in the sky but uh as far as food that would be offered here um this would be a restaurant that would largely sell uh british comfort food with an alien twist and so one of the things in this 
in this uh, movie is that, you know, a lot of the humans, they, they all eat sort of the same food that the aliens eat. And it's just this mixed alien cuisine food. But I think the difference between what Galaxy's, Ed- Galaxy's Edge tries to do and what I'm trying to do here is I'm very strictly looking for non-gourmet type things, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea of Galaxy's Edge is they brought in like, you know, Michelin star chefs to create this alien cuisine um, for Galaxy's Edge and and really give it a gourmet spin. And I am very specifically going after comfort food. And so I want like an alien shepherd's pie and oh. an alien fish and chips um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, some sort of like roasted pigeon or whatever um puddings <laughs> things like that things that are that are very specifically 18th century british comfort food th- but all with this sort of like alien twist to it uh so that you kind of are are getting um similar food to what you'd be getting at like the three broomsticks mm-hmm. at universal uh but with an alien twist that you don't really get at the three broomsticks which is I guess just it's just enough that it's British. I guess that's foreign enough for people um, at Universal. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is basically that, um, but with that that sort of like alien twist. And so, you know, the shepherd's pie might have some sort of like purple sauce, purple gravy or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's still ultimately just shepherd's pie. Right. Uh, and and uh, so it's 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 fun to look at. It's fun to eat, um, but it still tastes great and tastes like British comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, fish and chips and shepherd's pie, so I'm I'm on board. Yeah, but would you All eat right. green fish and chips? Oh heck yeah, yeah I would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who wouldn't? <laughs> so uh, my Atlantis restaurant, uh, it's Cookie's Cafeteria. Uh, so this is going to be on the ship. Cookie is the chef from the film, uh, but unfortunately, Cookie has passed away. Uh, Cookie was uh, voiced by Jim Farning, so I uh, oh, wanted mm. first off, he was an, kind of an old crazy man that. Uh, could not actually cook like everything he served up was slop so i didn't want to be serving slop and also i wanted to you know pay some respects to jim varney his son however is an actual accomplished chef and he is named his onboard restaurant after him the dishes draw inspiration from atlantean cuisine focusing on sea life with unique seasonings uh served on but they're going to be served on utilitarian metal trays so you know nothing no, no fancy like plating or anything like that but still very nice dishes served on you know what you would get in a mess hall for like you know, for the military yeah and nice. I, you know i love the look of that submarine from that movie too so yeah it, yeah that, that would be very it would be a miss to not have that involved somehow in the park so i'm glad you're able to incorporate that there oh yes it's yeah. we're, we're gonna get a lot of it Oh, good. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Kyle? All right. So for mine, it's pretty simple. It's going to be the inn from the Moon Spinners, which is the Moon Spinners. It's a bed and breakfast that uh, Haley Mills and her aunt show up to and can't find a room for. And, you know, they have these uh, scenes in the in the morning where they're getting like breakfast and, and lunch over there. And it's they're eating out by the Bay of Dolphins and. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I absolutely love Greek food. I love Greek and Lebanese food because usually those are a combination together. But Greek food by itself is fantastic. And uh, it's not represented anywhere in Epcot. So I thought that's kind of a miss. And maybe we could have that somewhere. So, um, yeah. So it'd just basically be like a a, a a bed and breakfast where you could eat inside of a uh, someone's home type area. But, of course, big enough to, accompl- to accommodate the crowds at Epcot or outside uh, overlooking the Bay of Dolphins. So uh, it would have stuff like uh, Greek salads like tzatziki and dakos, uh, apps like calamari or... Um, 
God, I can't read my handwriting, and this Greek stuff is harder enough to read as is. Uh, Santananta, <laughs> uh, of course, for vegetarians, you could have Horta, and Mills would be like Hiros, or uh, Kefkadika, which is a Greek meatball. So, and then, of course, stuff like baklava for dinner. So, uh, yeah, it would just basically look like kind of a uh, something you'd find uh, kind of in the Greek Isles and the Isle of Crete in, in, with a bay to eat out on. Something that's got, like you mentioned earlier, kind of like peaceful and calm and uh, with yep. Greek food. So yeah, very relaxing. Uh, Sounds yeah, lovely. Very relaxing. Yeah. So that yeah. is my restaurant. Uh, yeah. It's what you want in World Showcase. It yeah, is. You know? Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The question is, what's what? What is the alcohol alcoholic beverage that you would be offering here? Oh Cheap yeah. Wine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the thing when my wife and I went to Greece. We just we you would pay two fifty for a great bottle of red wine. Mm. Wow, yeah. a bottle? Yeah, for two fifty, and it was good. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. It was <laughs> wow. It was fantastic. We went to this re- same restaurant twice uh, when we were in Athens and we essentially we got like what what they, we called it meat mountain. And here we go talking about my uh, no no that was on Scott Pilgrim minute. We were talking about my weekend meat. Uh <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got meat mountain it's you know like it had just different types of meat. You, you got it with some uh some pita on the side and mm-hmm. lots of uh, other things and we got bottles of wine for super cheap and it was amazing very jealous want to go now that's yeah. yeah that's incredible yeah is that i guess i guess wine is just like the grecian alcohol choice yep. right it's not like they don't really have like a hard liquor no not that not, i can think that of. comes to mind no, no. Or a cocktail i mean they or have anything. like like i when i was on santorini they had a they had a brewery uh they had a microbrew called santorini brewery and i actually we were we flew, we did a day trip to Santorini, and so I couldn't, and I bought a giant bottle, like, a giant, like, 750 milliliter bottle of uh, of an IPA, and I realized I couldn't take it back on the plane with me to go back to Athens, so I just drank it on the side of the road in Santorini. Oh. Uh, wa- <laughs> wow. I walked by some goats, it was pretty cool, just, like, drink, drink my beer and saying hi to goats, it was great. That's amazing. Grease rules, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to go. I'm, I've, I've never been before. I'm very jealous. Uh, but yeah, have you guys? Have you guys ever watched? Um, uh, that that would be. This would be like a fun, like really like uh, bizarre choice for an episode. But have you guys watched any of the Trip movies? No. Oh yes, absolutely love those. And the, the, is, the fourth one just came out, right? Yeah, yeah. The fourth one, uh, the Trip to Greece, just came out. Oh. Um, and it's uh, it's really good, Brian. I don't. I can't say for sure whether or not you would like these. But they are, to me, I find them to be the most relaxing movies I've ever seen because there's no stakes. It's just two British comedians on a trip together riffing with each other. There's no script. Hmm. They're just riffing with each other and going to restaurants and eating and doing impressions. And there's four of these movies. Yeah. And it's there it's very relaxing because you're just seeing like beautiful vistas and uh, fun impressions and i don't i, I give it a shot i will maybe. i'll give, give it a shot of, give, give the yeah. first one a shot yeah very enjoyable yeah. yeah they're 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 man i love those movies um let's try and make a theme park out of those ones <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man anyway so scott uh, what about uh, your attraction yeah. for where are we are we on attraction we are, on we attraction. are yes Okay. Wow. 
Um, all right. So, uh, as I, w- I was telling them off mic, um, I was so sure that they had both seen this movie and that <laughs> I was the only one who hadn't that I was like, yeah, you guys are going to have to help me out with this, uh, this attraction. I'm a firm believer that both Atlantis and Treasure Planet are both blind spots for a lot of people. Uh, Treasure, uh, Atlantis didn't do near as bad as Treasure Planet did. Like, I think it still made its money back overall, uh-huh. but it's, it was not well loved or it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't well seen, I guess. Right. There, I mean, there's no songs in it. I mean, that's no. Yeah. Not even not even a Goo Goo Dolls song. Was it Tarzan? Mulan was like the last one with like actual songs until uh, Princess and the Frog, right? Yeah. Tarzan did a lot of kind of return to roots, actually, where it's more other people singing about the events of what's going on instead of the characters singing. Right. Yeah. yeah. With the exception of uh, Rosie O'Donnell's rap. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest MCs of all time, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. And they turned that into like half a show at, at uh, Animal Kingdom. <laughs> for a mm-hmm. while the tarzan yeah. rocks was it was it as good as spider-man rocks oh, or or better i i <laughs> would i would go see spider-man rocks so many more times that i would go see tarzan <laughs> rocks oh god um all right so in the film uh i'll do my best to a- explain what this is but jim hawkins is he's a little bit of a of a of a troublemaker he's a little bit of a of a rebel and um, he does this thing called Alponian solar cruising, uh, which is where he's basically sky surfing atop a rocket rocket powered sailboard. And so um, you can see it on like some of the artwork for Treasure Planet. You'll see him just sort of like balancing on what looks like a, a skateboard with mm-hmm. like a with like a sail on it. Right. Um, and that's a that's like basically like a rocket powered surfboard. Um, with a sail and he uh, uh, does this through the skies of his town or planet or whatever you would say and he's constantly getting um, hit up by the police and uh, uh, and and taken back home for um, doing this in areas of town where he isn't allowed to be so I thought like this this felt like the best use of a uh, an attraction and so what I want to do here is basically have an attraction where you are, um solar cruising on one of these boards and the idea that i'm picturing is something akin to soren uh except that like it's it's like somewhere in between like soren and like the back to the future ride or the simpsons ride um depending on how old you are uh what your frame of reference is (laughs) for that um but the idea would be that uh, you know, you are you are on one of these boards and you are cruising or whatever on this board through this uh, town. Uh, maybe it's some sort of competition. Uh, you know, maybe it's a, a it's something that tracks your score in the way that like Smuggler's Run does to see like who's the best uh, solar cruiser. Uh, but the idea would be that you're on this board and the board moves in such a way that is. Um, it's sort of like uh, Star Tours in that they realize that you only need to move about 10% what the screen is mm-hmm. moving in order for you to feel like you're moving a lot more because the, the, what the screen is doing is tricking your, your sense of movement. And mm-hmm. so I'm picturing something like that, like just like just like a slight turn on the board, but the screen is like spinning, hmm. you know, where where it really feels like you're you're really like going for it. And of course, there are multiple points in the beginning of this movie where Jim is uh, solar cruising, where he'll like kick off the, the rocket um, and drop 
and then kick it back on and, and sail back off again. You know, I think, I think incorporating that at some point in this as well, um, where it, it almost like drops like mm. a little bit, you know, like maybe, maybe a story kind of like rise of the resistance style, right. just enough to like catch you off guard and, and, and make your stomach jump um a little bit uh but yeah i mean largely it's a it's going to be a, a screen ride um because i don't think there's any way to do this safely uh unless it is a screen ride i thought about making this a roller coaster uh but in order for it to do to work the way that you would want it to feel like it's working i don't think you could safely do a roller coaster mm, right uh you know standing up on a board <laughs> <laughs> so uh so I, I i think uh some sort of um uh, a screen uh, motion sim is what I'm picturing with this. I'm curious how the restraint system would work on this because, you know, standing up, you know, they, they've had stand-up coasters and you have that, like you have to have that bicycle seat underneath you, which is un- unbelievably uncomfortable. Right. So I'm curious how, how to keep someone standing up without falling over on this. So, well, well, it's the, it's, you have to hold on to the, to the, the to the sail. Um, is right. what I'm picturing. So you you get your your feet locked into it, and then you you're holding on to the the sail, and maybe there's even a seatbelt attached to the right, sail. Belt, is what yeah. I'm thinking. Um, mm-hmm. so that so that then you could even like lean back on the sail and like really feel like you're free, but you're not. Oh, you're you're, okay. you're seatbelted mm-hmm. in at the waist. Yeah, you know what you could do too. Uh, incorporate that Mandalorian technology of the giant uh, LED screen that's around everything. Oh yeah, the uh, what is that called? the oh it's called the something uh, <laughs> they're always referring to it in the in the documentary um what that technology is uh, oh man because yeah i definitely think that's going to come into play in the um in the uh future of uh theme parks for sure oh totally it's one of the first things i thought of when i saw it but yeah. one of the cool things about that is you could also project uh below uh you know so it's kind of like you could have safety uh, kind of a um I don't know, foam area around in case somebody were to slip off or fall off too. You'd just be following maybe, you know, a foot to the ground right. to something soft. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is this thing called? The, uh, I want to know what this was called. Cause yeah, they kept referring to it as like, like, you know, it was like, it's like something generic, like the room. Um, right. But I can't, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like with Tommy was so, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like one of the, it's, it's one of the coolest. Technologies I've ever seen. I haven't wa- so I haven't watched the documentary. So if y'all y'all could explain this, I'd appreciate that. It's really cool. So it's uh, Unreal Engine tech, but just like you'd have in like Gears of War, mm-hmm. some sort of video right. game like that. And it is a giant LED screen that wraps around the shooting area. So basically, there are no physical sets. Well, they're very limited physical yeah. sets in the Mandalorian. They're able to, oh. let's say, the camera's standing behind the Mandalorian and it needs to move in a direction around him. Uh, the focus through the camera's point of view would remain so that. Uh, the screens are going to move the set instead of a right. set actually moving around. So, so everything was sense. shot it's- practically in camera. There, there is no CG in the show. It was like it was pre-rendered yeah. on the set, and they built the set virtually, and then the actors stood inside the virtual set and they shot the show. That is wild. <laughs> yeah, no, it is crazy. Yes. You, you got to watch the episode that's about this thing. Oh my god, um, yes, it is. Yeah nuts and, and also you'll have like the mandalorian or somebody standing there and then all of a sudden they need to move something and all of a sudden the entire screen moves at such a rapid rate that it would make you want to fall over and vomit because it's like the world mm-hmm. just spins around you really fast it's it's hard to describe without seeing it but when you see it you're like oh god yeah. what just happened you know uh so, the volume that's yeah. what it's called 
The volume, okay. a curved 20-foot high, 270-degree LED video wall made of 1,326 yeah. individual LED screens topped with an LED ceiling in, in it's like a 75-foot diameter performance space. That's too cool. Right. Yeah, perfect for a ride like like you're talking about. I think. Yeah, 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 for right. sure. Um, it's definitely going to be in a ride at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, without a doubt, it's going to be in a ride. Um, but yeah, it's uh, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, so that's that's my attraction. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a motion sim uh, Alponian solar cruising. Very Ooh, cool. Sim. I like that. Yeah. What about what about you, Brian? Yeah, my attraction for Atlantis uh, is going is going to be Atlantean 101. Uh, so this is going to be sort of. Uh, you know, get getting the crew ready to go to Atlantis and getting ready for, uh, you know, meeting Atlanteans. Using Milo's findings, the crews had tra- uh, created a training program. There's it's going to be a walkthrough attraction. I'm thinking something along the lines of what is it? Not uh, the at Islands of Adventure, the walkthrough attraction in oh uh, Poseidon's Fury. Poseidon's Fury. I'm thinking something along those lines. Okay. Uh, it, I'm thinking with that, but with a large group kind of escape room kind of vibe where mm. uh, they bring in or they bring forward participants that will have to translate Atlantean runes to get them from room to room to room. Oh, okay. Um, and each participant is going to be gifted with a piece of Atlantean crystal uh, to show that they've helped solve the riddle. I just have to I, I, I want to admit that I find it absolutely adorable that uh, like at least f- half of your attractions since starting this show have been some sort of teaching thing. Uh, <laughs> I like to teach. What can I say? <laughs> it's edutainment. Yeah. 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 Edufertainment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's we, back, we, baby. We promise to never speak of that again. <laughs> I can't wait for listener land too. <laughs> Kyle, what's your what's your attraction? So my attraction is going to be something that, uh, it, to my knowledge, I don't believe exists in any Disney park on the East Coast. And usually when I say something like that, there's some glaring blind spot that I'm just missing and I didn't think about that has to be brought up to me when I start talking about this. So um, the, the big action sequence in the Moon Spinners, which comes in the middle of the movie, which is strange, uh, Haley Mills' character is trapped inside of a windmill. Uh, because she's been chased by the jewel thief bad guys or whatever, and she's rescued. And in order to escape, the front door is locked. She has to actually climb up, jump out of a window onto the moving windmill, and then spin around upside down until she can shimmy her way down to get out. So it doesn't really fit with the kind of relaxing park that I'm going for. So I thought about it for a second. I was like, you know what? They don't have anywhere in a a Disney park in the East Coast uh, is a Ferris wheel. So I'm like, what if we took the concept of like a big Grecian windmill and then we turned it into kind of a romantic uh, Ferris wheel type situation? So what I'm picturing here is nice. And and I love the Ferris wheel that's out in California Adventure. uh, But at the same time, there's nothing relaxed. Literally the most terrifying ride. (laughs) Exactly what I was about to say. Uh, That thing, I didn't realize it moved as much as it did when I got in there. And my my trip video of that is just my wife and I screaming the whole time and crying. (laughs) Yeah. I just remember when when I was with Scott over... And we were at the what was the restaurant, uh, the Pixar restaurant, the Lamplight Lounge. Lamplight Lounge. Yeah, Lamplight. We're, we're at Lamplight yeah. Lounge. We're sitting on the on the uh, the boardwalk <laughs> thing, just watching this, and I'm like, it's really soothing watching these watching these gondolas swing, and yes. I just know that inside they are filled with absolute terror. <laughs> yeah, it it warms my heart a little bit. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a fun thing to... Honestly, that would be a great sequel for uh, Monsters, Inc. is that they just build a theme park that's just a bunch of those. <laughs> and, uh, and they just fill up all their scare meters. I love it. Start working on that spec script right now. Monsters Park. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this one, it's just kind of that concept. I'm thinking, what would be greater uh, than in the evening to get on a big Ferris wheel above the World Showcase in Epcot and just kind of have it slowly wow. brought up and, and be able to look and see everything there underneath you. So... Um, yeah, not much more needs to be spent on that other than uh, I think it would be kind of a fun, relaxing uh, ride. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And I love that you you took this film as a as a starting point and then just thought like, well, like, <laughs> how do I like what what is actually the best use of this and turned it into <laughs> yeah. like a Greek area world showcase and really just adding things that are are, are sorely missing from world yes, showcase. Yes. So I really well, wait till you hear my e-ticket then in a minute. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Very yeah. excited. Um, so my e-ticket, um, the Treasure Planet, like like all things of this uh, of this time period, um, w- there was a direct to video sequel planned and a TV series planned. Um, obviously, both were scrapped when it was a big old bomb, uh, the one of the largest bombs in um, uh, uh, animation history. Uh, just for the sake of like how expensive it was versus how much mm-hmm. it made. Um, and uh, obviously, I think anim- there there are several animated movies that made far less than this did, but. Uh, they didn't cost nearly as much. Um, so all of those things were were, were, were canned. But <clears throat> one part of this that I thought was interesting was that uh, the plot for the sequel to Treasure Planet, which involved uh, Jim having to team up with Long John Silver once again to stop the villainous Ironbeard from freeing inmates from Botany Bay Prison Asteroid. <laughs> um, and Ironbeard was all was already uh, set and cast because, you know, they, they'd already had a script and everything because um, they don't waste time with those direct-to-video releases, or they didn't. I don't even think they do them anymore. Um, but uh, they, they was cast, uh, Ironbeard was going to be played by Willem Dafoe. Oh. The idea of Willem Dafoe playing a space yeah. pirate um, is very exciting yes. to me. <laughs> and so... Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with that. I don't like the the prison uh, break aspect of this. I'm less interested in because that doesn't really have anything to do with Treasure Planet. Um, but I do like the idea of uh, of Ironbeard and um, you know something else. So what I'm thinking of is that this is going to be a space vessel. Like obviously you're going to want to get onto a space vessel. I don't think it should necessarily be the ship that's from the movie. I don't think that's necessary because I don't think it's like particularly iconic. I mean it's literally just a, an 18th century uh, a ship hmm. <laughs> in space. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it could, it could really just look like anything. Um, but uh, I think, you know, you're going to get on the space vessel. Um, I'm picturing it being piloted by uh, BEN, uh, which is a, a robot in the film voiced by Martin short. And uh, he is a navigation robot in the, in the film. So I think it makes sense that he would be piloting this space vessel. I think the space vessel is um, more of like a, you know, like a cruise ship type space Mm. vessel. It's, it's made to, you know, take people on like trips. Like it's not, it's not like going on a mission or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's, it's meant to just go out and, and, you know, go visit some places. Um, There is a portion of uh, treasure planet where um, uh, they figure out that this, the key to, moving around the universe and the way that this, uh, this pirate moved around the universe 
collecting all of this treasure that he stashed at um treasure planet was that he created a or found a uh, a portal that he could set on a map on this holographic map he could set a location and the portal would open in that location and that's how he made it back and forth from treasure planet to everywhere around the universe and so we're going to make use out of that the place that we're going to go is the remnants of treasure planet because um sorry guys spoilers for treasure planet treasure planet is destroyed at the end of the film <laughs> um and so uh, we're going to go to the remnants of Treasure Planet to sort of explore through the the destroyed ruins of Treasure Planet, which is basically going to amount to like what would appear to be like a asteroid field or mm -hmm. something like that is what it would seem like to me. And so you're go we're going to go through there. And then while we're there, that's when Ironbeard is going to show up with his crew. And he is there to uh, basically try to find the remnants of the treasure on the remnants of Treasure Planet. Of course, Jim and Long John Silver show up to stop him. Um, and that's and that's basically the idea of the ride is that it would be an open air ride. I think this would be another really great use of the um the technology that we talked about from the Mandalorian, the volume, hmm. um, I think this would be another really great use of that, especially if you could move it so that you start on when you board, you're boarding from the pier that we were on before. Mm -hmm. And then the ship actually physically moves away from the pier oh. um, and is probably probably replaced by another ship because it's probably, you know, several ships. But the idea would be that the ship would then move into the volume, which would start the ride and then slowly move through the volume while being moved in a motion control fashion. But it would largely be a ride that would be like the movements of the ride would be... Um, I would say probably closest to like the pre-show area of Rise of the Resistance, like when you are moving to the Star Destroyer. Right, the, the floor lightly rumbles. <laughs> right, right. That sort of thing. Um, where it's more of just like the the vision of being surrounded by space and being in an open air ride. Mm -hmm. Um, I think is where the excitement of being on this ride totally would right. be. It's really just an excuse to take pictures and, you know. It's like a Instagrammer's oh, dream yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like taking pictures on a pirate ship that's in space. Like that's pretty oh, yeah. cool. Um, and especially with the volume working the way that it does, it would really appear like you are in mm -hmm. space. So that's, that's basically the ride. I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing crazy, but I, I think it would be a lot of fun and I think it would be, uh, kind of almost uh relaxing in a way and i want it to be you know ben is like a funny like martin short character mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of room to have like a a captain rex style pilot situation going mm -hmm. on so yeah. i think that'd be a lot of fun i'm on board for that yeah that sounds like a lot yeah. of fun yeah i, I, I want to make a note real quick of just something so the botany bay thing that was in the planned sequel is that right or, or was that something you came up with yes no, no, no. That was in the planned sequel. That's really weird because it, the Botany Bay, of course, is uh, where Khan was in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And one of the reasons mm -hmm. that um, Treasure Planet was pushed off for so long is Michael Eisner knew that they were working on a Treasure Island version of a Star Trek movie, which I think eventually became Star Trek Insurrection or something like that. Right. And that's why the movie was pushed off for so long. So it's a weird tie in there that is, is bizarre. Huh. So. Well, well, Botany Bay is a, uh, uh, I, I get, apparently it's like a, I just looked it up and apparently it's like an o oceanic embayment in Sydney. 
Oh, okay. So that's where they got the name from. For yeah, so it must be things. it must be like a real a real thing to a certain extent, huh. um, or based on a real thing. I guess it's a oh, it's an Australian penal colony. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah, yeah. So that okay. was that was why it was called. Yeah, and that makes sense why they would use that as the name of the uh, the con. Thing. Yeah, too. I thought maybe it was a dig from the writers of uh, Treasure Planet Two. <laughs> I mean, it could so, be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it could still be that. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But um, yeah, well, Brian, I am dying to hear about your Atlantis e ticket. Okay, yeah. So uh, my e ticket is called Operation Save Atlantis. Writers are going to be briefed on their mission by Audrey. Uh, Audrey is probably my favorite character in this movie. She is a teenage engineer. Um, she is super cool. She's super feisty. I like her a lot. She has aged since the film. She's in her me- uh, mid-20s now. And she is showing the uh, in the pre-show, she is showing off her schematics for a time pod. It is a machine of her invention, a new ship capable of both underwater and air travel uh, that, due to the Atlantean crystals, can also travel through time. With this ship they're going to go back in time and save Atlantis from being consumed by the sea in the first place. And once we get to Atlantis, we're going to contact Milo to assist with this mission. Background for those of y'all who have not seen Atlantis, the at the very beginning of the film, yes, Scott, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the film, uh, we see Atlantis being consumed by a gigantic tidal wave. The wave is coming after some Atlantean ships. They have lots of technology, so they have these airships that they're uh, they're flying at the time. And they're racing back to Atlantis, so they are not hit by this this wave. And as they make it, uh, the entire city is covered by a giant force field. So... Riders are going to get into the seat of the main bridge of the ship. Uh, the main bridge is going to uh, be where that giant glass dome is on the submarine. In front and on all sides of them, I, I had said a giant IMAX dome, but this sounds perfect for exactly what y'all were talking about earlier from The Mandalorian. Giant IMAX dome projected on the screen is what we would see outside. About half of the gla- uh, glass dome is above the water. The other half is below. And this uh, the submarine is taken underwater to Atlantis, narrowly avoiding sea monsters. The submarine is going to land at Atlantis, and riders are going to be escorted to their individual time pods, four people per time pod. A monitor is going to show Audrey, who is just reunited with Milo. Uh, she's going to explain the time pod to Milo, to which he's going to respond, Wait a minute, Audrey, are you telling me you built a time machine out of a submarine? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. Uh, Michael J. Fox good, there. Good, good luck trying to get Michael J. Fox to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to work it in there. I had to. Um, yeah. So Audrey reinforces the mission. She's going to re- remind the writers of the mission. And upon hearing this, Milo is he's going to object to this. Audrey is going to kind of dismiss him, and Milo is going to run off. Audrey tells the writers to keep their eyes on the prize. Get ready. One person on each time pod is going to be given a. Uh, given one of the Atlantean crystals. It's going to be a simulated vehicle, uh, very much like the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Uh, you sit down, the uh, the person with the Atlantean crystal is going to place their crystal in the console on the front of the ship, on the front of the cockpit, and they'll, they'll put their hand on it, which will activate the ship. We'll uh, take off, go through the sea, and go back in time to the sky. So you're going to be underwater, and then the moment you uh, go back in time, you are flying. You're going to be uh, immediately thrown into a crowd of Atlantean airships, when suddenly we're going to hear Milo's voice coming over the communicator. Milo has hijacked 
another one of the time pods and he is going to sabotage our mission uh so he is going to ram our ship he is going to mm. do whatever he can to stop us from what succeeding on our mission the reason why he's doing this is because the atlantean king created a large explosion because he wanted to hide the atlantean power he was trying to uh, keep it from uh, other hands because he had the idea to use make a weapon out of it and then he realized this is too much for anyone to handle so for us to rescue atlantis would be against the atlantean king's wishes mm. Eventually, he is going to ram us off course. We will fall, go back to the present time, and, and we'll exit our vehicle. At this point, we haven't succeeded on our mission, but we have restored at the same timeline. Yeah, that's that's one of the best sequences in the in the film. They, there's a, not to spoil too much. There's a flashback where it kind of shows the Atlantean Civil War, and I really was hoping we'd have more of that in the movie. So for you to take that, I wasn't really thinking this would be the way you take your e-ticket ride. Uh, to to go uh, with that sp- uh, particular sequence in the movie, but that's a fantastic idea. It was it was an incredible sequence, and it was like immediately I was on board when you yeah. know, we saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, it's it, and and, and expected as well. Well, I haven't seen the movie, but I'll ride yep. the ride. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so Kyle, what do you have for us? Okay, so third act of the moon spinners absolutely sucks um they they spend most of the movie talking about how there is a treasure in dolphin bay and uh the entire movie seems like it's setting it up for some sort of like underwater adventure where they have to go down to a sunken grecian or uh athenian ship and get some jewels off of it or something like that none of that happens these jewels appear out of thin air for some reason they have them and then the last sequence is just on a, a luxury yacht and it's just not worth Cut, cut the movie off. Forget it. So I said, yeah. you know what? Scrap that. Uh, this was a this was enough of a jumping off point uh, to talk about mythology and stuff like that. Kind of like my um, Lucky Charms episode was. <laughs> so I said, uh, I'm going to rewrite the ending of the movie that I wish happened okay. and uh, just make that my ride as, uh, you know, uh, for here for the moon spinner. So um, I don't know about you guys, but I really miss the 20,000 leagues under the sea ride uh, that was used to be at the Magic Kingdom. I know that out in Disneyland, there's the Nemo ride, which is fantastic and I love it. Uh, but I really miss that. 20,000 leaks under the sea ride. Not a fan, Scott. It, it's just, it's just so claustrophobic. It like it's, freaks me yeah, out. Same. I don't, I don't like being trapped. Um, like, uh-huh. like, like the fact that like once you're in and the person sits next to you, you're just like trapped until the ride is over. Uh, yes. Freaks yeah. me out. Um, and you're hoping that they use deodorant that day too. Yeah, Cause that's yeah, uh, yeah. a big problem. Well, then you are going to love my ride because <laughs> we are going, uh, underwater in dolphin Bay to the sunken palace of King Minos, which you might know is the uh, <laughs> the myth of the labyrinth and the minotaur. Oh. So <laughs> this entire time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, eventually they're going to go down underwater at the end and have some sort of like scuba fight to get these jewels out of a sunken ship or something like that. And <laughs> I started thinking about myths that involve the Isle of Crete, and uh, that is where King Minos uh, lived. And uh, Daedalus and Icarus's myth was there as well. But this is where... Um, uh, the legend of the Minotaur is. So in my idea here uh, is that the jewel thieves that are the main uh, antagonists of the movie, they've been hiding these jewels that they've stolen in Dolphin Bay. And I was like, okay, wouldn't it be cool if the labyrinth was down there and maybe they hid the jewels inside of the labyrinth somewhere. So uh, you take on kind of as in the same vein of the Snow White ride. You are Haley Mills in this ride. And you've taken a submarine underwater uh, to find the palace of King Minos and find the jewels that are within the labyrinth. So uh, my idea here 
there's that you're kind of like going underwater as if you would in the 20,000 leagues under the sea ride and you're making your way past like sunken ships and uh, eventually like uh, into you know ruins of this palace and then continue to go down deeper underneath it until you're underwater in a very close confined space of a labyrinth uh, going around trying to find everything when all of a sudden your calm interrupts and the villain of the movie Stratos uh, is actually following you because he knows you're on your way to get the jewels. So he's going to be following you through the maze as you go left and right and try to, you know, weave your way through all these uh, broken columns and everything until eventually you find a treasure room that has all sorts of treasures that Stratos uh, has put there as well as some of King Minos's treasure. So uh, your ship, one of those little arms that they use, I guess on submarines comes out and picks up something. And it turns out what you grabbed was actually not something Stratos put there, but something that King Minos had there originally, uh, which causes a door in the back to open and a minotaur comes out <laughs> and begins to swim after you as you try to escape the labyrinth. Uh, An underwater cool. minotaur. Exactly. The minotaurs <laughs> have evolved and they are merminotaurs now. Whoa. So, Whoa. The minotaur is following you. <laughs> yeah, twist. A mermitor. <laughs> mermitor. Uh, so eventually you uh, you lose the mermitor. Stratos gets a hold of you. And then the last second, the mermitor comes out and grabs him, causing you to uh, drop your jewels and then make your way out of Dolphin Bay. So, wow. Um, yeah, I really I, I pine for the days of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride. And I was like, well, this might be kind of a cool way to rewrite the, you know, the end of that movie to something more fun and and put a uh, submarine ride in there so um that's my ride uh, i just call it the labyrinth so all right no i imagine either of you guys would ride that but that's okay it's uh you know <laughs> i mean you could make it less claustrophobic that's true yeah. <laughs> maybe like have like you know one port glass one giant port glass instead yeah. of like a bunch of tiny ones. Sure. Uh, you know what? Uh, we're going to use the volume on this one as well. So you're not actually underwater. So we have that insurance liability out the window and we don't have to worry Perfect. about guests with disabilities getting on. And uh, you've got a uh, open air, not an open air, but a giant bubble above your, uh, your submarine that you're going. Perfect. Through. Now so, we're talking. Okay. Yeah. Now <laughs> we're on board. <laughs> on board. Great. So did they, why didn't they ever remake this movie with Lindsay Lohan? Is my question. Y- you know what? <laughs> Honestly, the entire time I'm watching it, uh, I'm thinking that it could probably, you know, you remember that movie that came out like uh, 10, 15 years ago called Disturbia, uh, which was kind sure. of a remake of Rear Window, but for kids. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like, this could fit in like a modern day kind of like young adventure movie uh, in some way, like Lindsay Lohan, you know, uh, would have been perfect for it. So yeah, it's a real, it's a real shame. It's a material I think that they could go back to easily. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's call up Lindsay and get her on board. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she needs, uh, yeah, the work right she now. She may be so. a bit too old for the role now. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the only reason. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. only reason. By the way, we need to make a Mean Girls Park. Let's do that. Oh, I'm yeah, that's that. I'm sure we're going to do that at some point. Oh, I can't um, wait. All right. Well, well, we did it, I, y'all. That's our, yeah, first, that's our first D plus challenge. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll probably do that again. Although now I, I have to like go find something. Well, I guess I guess I have to default use my third choice uh, <laughs> for the next one of these. So I can't we'll wait see. to find out we'll what that, that is. Goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but well, this was fun. Thank you. Yeah. yeah Look, a- I'm looking forward to that next one. Uh, mm-hmm. You can always fo- uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Theme Park This. We also have a Facebook page, Theme Park This Podcast, and a listener group, uh, Theme Park This Listeners. Uh, you can also, uh, if you want to support us and also get a, some extra content, uh, you can uh, you can support Dueling Genre on Patreon. It's duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, just a few bucks a month gets you... Uh, access to all of our extra podcasts we have 
retheme this where we take classic theme park attractions and retheme them. And we also have fast passes where we either talk about, you know, current events in the theme park world, or we talk about, you know, a TV show or a, you know, special where they go to a theme park. Well, thank you so much. And y'all have a good one. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.